Hello and welcome to Weird Wessex. My name's Andy. And my name's Craig. So what are we talking about today, Craig? Well, today we have tales of a curse, big cat sightings, several missing animals, ghosts, dead bodies, UFOs, occult practices and possible links to Alistair Crowley. All in one place, a place that we were supposed to go to, but due to weather and unforeseen circumstances, we have not managed to today. So we're in the comforts of our own home. Yes, but we are actually going to be talking about, well, mostly about Clapham Woods or the general vicinity, I think we should say. Indeed, we were ready to go. I've got my thermos flask here and uh, my, my crucifix. Is that to protect you from the curse? The curse. I've heard of the curse. Do you want? To, should we start with that? It's probably the best place to start because I think it's kind of the earliest references we've got. So Clapham um, had a curse placed upon it in the year twelve eighty eight, when Robert Le Falconer lost a case he brought up against a local parson, Adam Leguest, for alleged bodily harm. Angered by his defeat, Le Falconer pronounced, "I call upon she who knows to damn this accursed village and all its meagre holdings." May the priesthood of this false god soon come to know their fate. That is a proper curse. That is a that is that is one of the cursiest sounding curses that's ever cursed. <laughs> and I mean, it's interesting because a lot of people do mention the area seems to have a lack of wildlife. There's a lot of eerie silences and things in the woods. So maybe the curse is what brings forth everything we're about to talk about. I mean, without giving too much away early on, there are so many elements of this story or these stories that if I were to write a sleepy English countryside folk horror, I think would choose Clapham for it. You know, some more believable than others, but there's so many elements to this, starting with the curse and going on, that uh, I, I really think make for a good story. It's a little bit midsummer. It is very midsummer, but... Uh, <laughs> As in midsummer murders, not the... <laughs> yeah, I, I got that. I got that. <laughs> <laughs> right, in case anyone wasn't sure about I mean, we might have international listeners that don't know Midsummer Murders. Uh, when we get into the cult, though, you know, maybe. Yes. So shall we start with um, some of the strange deaths that have happened in the area? Indeed, there are four deaths um, associated with the woodland. One body was found inside the woodlands the other deaths were so, were either on the edge or associated with the woodland i believe the first one was a police constable peter goldsmith who was a former royal marine who was discovered in bramble on the woods outskirts six months after he went missing um i believe it was him it was either him or another one i've seen conflicting reports but apparently it looked as if his body was placed there rather than uh so they couldn't determine a, a true cause of death, but it did look like the body was uh, placed there. Yeah, it was under some brambles. Yeah, exactly. And it was supposedly like really like embedded in the brambles. Like you, yeah, how he got there is kind of mysterious. Um, after that, in August of 1975, um, a missing pensioner, a uh, little less suspicious, but nonetheless, uh, Leon Foster was found by a couple who were searching for a lost horse, which actually kind of feeds into a later story. Um, but yes, uh, a pensioner was found there. They think he had just turned senile, unfortunately, and wandered away from home and died of exposure. Um, sure we missed an important detail on that one. I did. His body had undergone rapid decomposition, which is partly why they couldn't see what, what had caused his death. Was that, was that Leon Foster, the pensioner? 
Yeah. I heard that. I heard that. I didn't see a story. I didn't want to mention it because I didn't see an actual um, yeah. a link to a particular body. I just knew it was one of the bodies. I was going to go into that a little bit later. But if we know, okay, that's... Um... Yeah. I mean, it, it appears as well he hadn't eaten or drunk anything for several days. And there was a bit of alcohol in his system. I mean, I know under certain circumstances, especially when people are dehydrated or under certain stresses, weird things can happen with the decomposition rate. But yeah, that does seem a little bit odd. Um, in 1978, the uh, former Reverend of Clapham, uh, Harry Neil Snelling, um, was found by a Canadian tourist um, in the woods or on the edge of the woods as well. Um, again, a, I don't. There's nothing published about the cause of death. Uh, was it you that were telling me? Apparently, they were quite a depressive sort of person. This form. Yeah, he had a history of uh, depression. He'd already attempted suicide several years before, uh, before he became the vicar, I think. And then he became the vicar. Um, but he, he was reported as being quite cheery on the day that he disappeared. Okay, I mean, again, that that can happen. I, uh, you know, without going into too much detail. Uh, someone um, from Hertfordshire I knew, you know, sort of the day he unfortunately um, took his life, he went into the pub and had a drink of everyone, was very cheery, and then just went. But, um, yeah, that, that's one of the less mysterious ones, I think. Well, uh, yes and no, because he was missing for three years before they found his body. You're right, actually, you're right. And so it's actually his skeleton that the Canadian hiker found. Um, do we know much about where in the area it was found, apart from close to the woods? Is there any any description of the, you know, the 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 Didn't see anything. growth? No. Um, I mean, you could say the Canadian hiker was suspect because they were due to fly to Africa and they didn't want to be held for questioning, so they basically um, wrote to the local police, enclosed oh, wow. the man's the dead man's wallet was included. And where the body could be found. That is odd. So we don't actually know who reported it other than Canadian. And I'm not sure how they know that. Interesting. I guess it was um, local news report, I suppose. Yeah. Um, you can see that with, where, where this is, though, with a, um, you know, a policeman goes um, missing and turns up dead um, in, a, in a strange place. Then a... Uh, a priest a few years later goes uh, missing um, and um, turns up dead um, years later, years after, you know, sort of his death. That's um, that, that that's feeding into this folk horror story that I think should be told about this place, you know? Well, yeah, so or the start of a really bad joke, a policeman, a vicar and a schizophrenic walk into the woods. <laughs> yes, that, that brings us to our last um, our last case, which is probably the saddest one, uh, which was a homeless lady Gillian uh, Matthews, who was a schizophrenic, um, was found in the woods. But upon the autopsy, her body was given. Um, she had been sexually assaulted and strangled. It was actually a murder. Um, and that was discovered in 1981. So, yeah. That one was found in the woods, wasn't it? Yeah, that one was the only one, to my knowledge, that was found inside the woods itself. So, uh, yes, there's there's already, I mean, it's not a big woodland either. I mean, I know quite often people will turn up, you know, sort of missing bodies, whether through murder or just people wanting to take their own life or just through unfortunate circumstances like 
wandering off um, and and dying. Quite often those things do happen in woods, but it's not a big woods. Um, so having that, you know, sort of over that relatively short period of time. Um, but there's um, there's other instances of uh, not people going missing, but um, animals as well. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I don't have many notes on many of the animals other than the horse. So there's a guy, he's riding his horse, he gets off to take a piss, and then he turns around and his horse is gone, and it's never seen again. Where'd you go? I'm here, I'm here. Um, Just as I mentioned, the horse disappears, Andy. That's it, that's it. It's me, I'm the horse. Um... But uh, yeah, I, I heard that one as well and sort of went back, couldn't find it anywhere, no one local. I mean, again, could have been stolen. Uh, but yeah, it's it's an unusual one. I, I did find, so a lot of this, um, a lot of these reports come to a, a few people uh, and a book that was written that heavily um, looked into the area, which we'll talk about later. But um, it was a chap called Charles Walker who was heavily investigating the area, tied to a later topic we're going to cover soon. Um, I think he still is. I think he's sort of till the day he dies. I mean, that's what that's what he said. Um, so he collected a lot of these, and unfortunately, a lot of these accounts are just anecdotal, so um, it's hard to trace. But there was a Mrs. Rawlings of Worthing who used to go dog walking in the area. Now. Um, she took her black Labrador into the woods and apparently it ran off um, of being let off the lead, but it disappeared into the undergrowth, which it didn't usually do. It usually stayed within uh, within sort of line of sight. Now, the dog returned to her shortly afterwards uh, and seemed fine. She took the dog home. As soon as the dog got home, it rapidly sickened, losing the use of its uh, back legs, eventually collapsed. The vet had no idea what was wrong with it. It wasn't a stroke. It wasn't anything like that. And unfortunately, they had to put the poor thing down. Um, apparently, when she went back to the woods later on to try and find if there was anything that the dog might have eaten or a trap that it might have got caught in, something it might have injured itself on, could find nothing. But she did have, and understandably, I guess, given what had happened to her dog, a very uneasy feeling in the woods. Um, and... Um, there's there's something about cats as well, wasn't there? Oh, I forgot about the cats. Yeah, I only saw this mentioned in one place. I don't know how true this one is, but there is a mention that the police once found a pit full of skinned cats that had been staked to the floor. That may well tie into uh, another one of the subjects brought up today as well. So. It's all tied together. This is all based around the same woods. Yeah, so. the, the, yeah. bear in mind, this is all the same relatively small area of woodland. Um, I think you can walk through the woods in about half an hour. I mean, it's not big at all. So, yeah, there, as I said, there are multiple cases of animals going missing, usually missing, some sickening. There, 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 aren't, um, there aren't many that have actually got names attached to them, though. Um, so I'm reluctant to go into them too much. Just some guy lost his poodle, some woman lost their 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 you know um, Alsatian. It's yeah. It's uh, but they they he they talk about multiple cases, not just Charles Walker, um, but newspaper reports as well. Yeah, most of them just seem to disappear. Is what I saw. It's just yeah. animals that have just vanished. 
Um, there are also reports of people feeling um, very uneasy going into the woods. Now, a lot of those are going into the woods at night, which, in my opinion, as you know, I've mentioned before, I think, that you go into the woods at night, you do feel uneasy because that's how we're how we are. That's how we're built. You know, we're we're not it's night. Nature. Yeah, we're we're not night predators. We're not. Yeah, you know, we don't see well in the dark. You know, every instinct is screaming at us. There are things out here that do hunt things in the dark. Even even in England, where, where there aren't anything like that, as far as we know, um, apart from the odd big cat and you know, <laughs> black dog, I guess. Well, that's it. So there, is, I mean, you mentioned that, so I may as well bring it up now. There is one reference to someone seeing a big cat in the woods as well. That kind of walks across the pathway and disappears. Interesting. When do you know when this was? I didn't write it down in my notes, so no. <laughs> it's all right. The only reason I ask is you get a. I mean, we got a lot of big cat sightings nowadays. But also early 2000s and in the 80s and in the 80s, a lot of that was put down to the laws around um, exotic animals being kept. Uh, and so the the theory is a load of people who had illegal panthers and, you know, sort of uh, yeah. cheetahs and lynx. They were just sort of like just quickly letting them out, you know, just letting them go free. You which... could buy them from Harrods. Yes, you could. You buy all sorts of pets from Harrods at the time, lions and things. There's a there is a film, isn't there? Going off track a bit now, but there there is a film about a lion they buy and they release it back in Africa. I think I know the one you mean. I think I know the one you mean. I not. think it's called a lion called Christian. That that rings a bell, actually. That rings a bell. Yeah. Um. So, well, if it was released in Africa, we know that the big cat of Clapham Woods was not Christian. Then I guess. <laughs> yes. Um. So what should we cover next in this uh, mysterious short, like small patch of woodland? I think now's a good time to bring up the cult. Yes. So I believe this first popped up in the 90s, uh, late 80s, which you bear in mind a lot of these are um, on the tail end of the satanic panic. So I believe it was actually first labelled as a satanic cult and newspaper articles at the time talking about Clapham Woods were talking about satanic cult activity. But that's not... They still true, do. It's, they, they still uh, do. The local newspaper, whenever they reference it, they call it the satanic cult of Hectate. Hectate, which is wrong on several levels. Yeah. Um, so as in case anyone doesn't realise, that should be Hecate. I mean, I was wondering if it was just another pronunciation, but I know in Shakespeare it's uh, Hecate, isn't it? So it's not even Hectate, you know. That is just a complete yeah. butchering of the name. Um, I think it was a typo and several articles after. If you look through the newspaper's archives, you find the same rehashed material. So, yes, this, this cult was a convenient scapegoat for a lot of people um, who were saying, you know, these pets are going missing and the feeling of... It wasn't just unease people complaining of going to Clapham Woods. It was said that sometimes you'd go in. Go on, Cray. Cray's got his hands up. Go on. I was just going to say, actually, we should we quickly give a rundown of who Hecate is for anyone that doesn't know? That is probably... You mean everyone doesn't know who Hecate is? Go Pretend on. Pretend like you've heard of her before. <laughs> <laughs> so Hecate was... Or I guess is, depending on your belief system. Hecate is a goddess from uh, ancient Greece. Um, most often shown holding a pair of torches, a key or snakes, and accompanied by dogs. Very important, that last note. Yes. Um, I know um, she's a goddess of necromancy, witchcraft, life, and 
um, crossroads. Yes, crossroads also quite important, I think, for the for the site. Um, I've listed it as crossroads, entrance ways, nightlight, magic, protection from witchcraft, the moon, knowledge of herbs and poisonous plants, graves, ghosts, necromancy, and sorcery. For a suspicious man, I'd say that uh, perhaps that is tied to those animal deaths and uh, the animal sickening is the knowledge of herbs and poisonous plants. Um, yeah, her first appearance in literature is in Hesiod's Theogony in the 8th century. Well done. <laughs> yes. <laughs> you, you, I uh, let you pronounce this stuff. Um, her place of origin was or is debated by scholars, but she has popular followings among the witches of Thessaly and an important sanctuary among the Carian Greeks of Asia Minor in Lagina. Her oldest known representation was found in Selinunt in Sicily. Apologies I'm, I'm, uh... to everyone for my butchery of the <laughs> Greek and Italian pronunciation there. But yeah, so that's a kind of brief rundown anyway. If... Um, again, keep skipping ahead, so I won't give too much away, but there is a local, um, there's a location locally to the area, which we'll talk a little bit about towards the end of the show, that uh, doesn't have Greek temples, but is known for Roman temples, um, but not Greek ones. Um, but uh, yeah, this cult was blamed for a lot of it, like the dogs, uh, lights in the sky, um, as well as the feeling of unease and potentially the deaths. Now, um, this Charles Walker, who's uh, done a lot of investigating into the area, um, apparently received a letter from one of the initiates of the cult of Hecate, uh, inviting him to a meeting. And this meeting was classic, sort of clandestine, at night, at a crossroads, deep in the woods. And apparently this figure came from behind a tree, cloaked in shadow, and started talking about how there was a cult of Hecate operating in the woods. They'd been operating there for about 30 years and they intended to carry on. The dogs were actually being taken as sacrifices um, to uh, to Hecate and uh, they intended to keep doing so and spread. Um, that is that is Charles Walker's account. Um, uh, apparently he was very nervous, he felt very uneasy uh, even before the meeting, he was tempted to turn back um, he goes into great detail about how he nearly jumped out of his skin as this sort of disembodied voice from behind the tree greeted him. Um, apparently quite well spoken because he got a phone call from this uh, this chap as well. Uh, he had or he had been quite publicly uh, investigating the woods at the time anyway and had suspicions about this cult activity. Now, I do think it's important to mention before we go on as well that, you know, you're looking at late 80s, early 90s, the idea, the, the sort of re-romanticism of witchcraft was booming. You know, sort of you had a lot of positive, more positive spin on witchcraft stuff on TV. But you also had the tail end of the satanic panic, as I mentioned. So it was quite. It was kind of in the public. It was kind of in the zeitgeist at the. You know, sort of at the time, wasn't it? It was quite, uh, quite popular. And I mean, I, I remember growing up in Hertfordshire. There was this supposedly haunted church uh, that cults uh, and satanists used to apparently use. Uh, Cold Christmas, which is a great name, by the way, uh, this place. And it was an old medieval church tower, and that was all that was left of it. And you would find like broken bits of gravestones in, in um, you know, sort of in pentagram shapes. And it was pretty well known among the locals that it was just kids trying to freak people out. So I think there may have been an element of this going on as well. Um, 
or like uh, in Hertfordshire, there was uh, as well. There was a uh, supposed Templar connection to Hertford, and a chap from the Templars called up to give some cryptic warnings. And again, ninety nine percent sure it was just a chap trying to have a bit of fun. So that that may be the case here. What do you think? Yeah, I, I've read a few accounts that say it was probably a hoax and it was probably made to uh, done to make them look like fools, basically. So they obviously go on to release it in their book, don't they? Um, yeah. So there's a there was a manor house supposedly near the old church at Clapham, an abandoned manor house uh, which was owned by one of the villagers, but it was it was for all intents and purposes abandoned. Apparently, there is a wall painting on there. And yeah, this this painting found in this manor house is a sort of a horned figure. And they claim that was maybe sort of earlier satanic rituals there or a cult there. Now, again, in the 18th and 19th century, the, the upper classes really kind of went in hard. I mean, you've heard of the Hellfire Club, right? Um, Hasn't everybody? <laughs> you know, it's... <laughs> It's, uh, you know, this whole... Um... From Stranger Things. Yeah, that's it. <laughs> but also the one in England. Um, like <laughs> cave system under this manor house and, you know, sort of a, a lake you had to cross on a small boat with a ferryman and altars and stuff. And, you know, it was kind of... It, it was a big thing in the upper class. It was basically an excuse to, to drink and practice debauchery, you know. Uh, which again, Charles Walker, I think, and there's a chap called Ian from Mysterious Britain that sort of goes quite in on the idea of uh, them using this debauchery and sex and bribery to sort of keep the cult of uh, Hecate kind of closed in and stop people revealing all about it. So, um, you know, maybe it was just echoes of a of a previous thing or maybe it was just all made up. Yeah, I mean the, the only cult, if you like, cult. I don't know if you call them a cult, but the only, the the only group I should say, the Friends of Hecate that I've found, I think they're based in Glastonbury. Yeah. So nowhere near this site. Well, again, there is, um, and I think it was Ian from uh, Mysterious Britain. Let me just check my note. Yep, it was. Who goes on to say how Clapham Woods, the activity in Clapham Woods, eventually subsided. Um, with Hecate, not that he thought that he had, uh, he had gone, he thought they were still there, but the interest waned, and he thinks that they actually spread across the south coast. So I guess oh, well, that would, yeah, that might be him that. saying, "Well, look, they're in Glastonbury now. You didn't listen to me, you know." But I know I feel... I'd heard, I'd heard as well that a storm knocked some of the trees down where they used to hold the rituals, and so potentially they stopped once their sacred trees had gone. Ah, yes, because there was a hide found there, which could have been a um, a deer stalker's hide or someone just building a den in the woods. But apparently it did have a, a cult paraphernalia in there, like little jars with various liquids. Porn mags. Porn mags, that's it. Empty yeah. bubs, you know. Um, weird plastic bottle with a hose pipe coming out of it and some tinfoil. I don't know, you know. Yeah. But, uh, <laughs> but yeah, no, he, um, Charles Walker, uh, very much put that down to like as a space where they potentially prepared for their rituals. Um, and he said he, he, he was very well hidden, almost like it was, it was supposed to trick your eye and think it was a bush. But again, anyone that's built a den in the woods or wants to go deer stalking, that's exactly what you're looking for out of one of those things anyway. 
Yeah, I mean, he doesn't mention whether there was anything found inside the hide that would sort of link to the occult practices, if you like. No, he sort of supposes it might be, but again, it was yeah. very much, it might have just been Little Den, you know. I uh, I mean, I, I used to like leave, so friends of mine and I, when Blair Witch Project came out, we were like making little Blair Witch symbols and leaving them in woodlands and stuff like that. It was fun. I, I did that too. <laughs> They've moved out now, so I can probably say this. My, We had some new neighbours a couple of years back. This young couple moved in. Yeah. Um, And we'd got talking, and they were clearly a little bit spooked by the paranormal. And so on Halloween, I made some little Blair Witch sticks. Little, <laughs> and I hung them on the tree outside their living room window, so when they opened the curtains in the morning, they were like, Fuck! I, like I, I think I'd met them that week. <laughs> like, uh, <laughs> welcome to the neighborhood, guys. So, yeah, what, what, <clears throat> what's your takeaway on the cult of uh, Hecate? Have we got anything else to talk about them? Or what, what's your, do you think there is anything there? It is possible that people have done stuff in the, I mean, we know from woodlands all over the place, people do these rituals and things. We're on a, one of the reenactment events we do is a witches' festival. You know, there are people out there that are practicing with, Various gods, goddesses, and mother nature, or whatever you decide to call it. So I could believe something would have happened. I think they're jumping to a few conclusions. Walker in particular. Yeah. I think he, it's almost like he says they find occult symbols. I've seen various people say about ribbons tied to trees in the woods. I think any of... old tree that gets a story around it gets Clutie's attached to it. You know what I mean? That that just happens. There's some yew trees over at Knowlton Rings. They're old. Uh, this is uh, near um, near Wimborne in um, in Dorset. Um, it's a it's a medieval church, abandoned medieval church. that's just a shell surrounded by a Bronze Age temple complex, and there are uh, two yew trees. I don't know how old they are. They might not be as old as the complex. Probably not. You know, let's face it, they're not that old. They might not. They probably date back to when the medieval church was there. Yeah. And but again, you always find offerings left there. Clutes. Um, I, I've attended a ritual there. I've attended a uh, sowing ritual there. Um, uh, so it is actively used, but they, you know, a lot of them are fairly open about it now, you know, because that stigma isn't yeah. there. Like, yeah. um, the pagan group that meet in the woods in Hartford, they have their meetings every, every, uh, month down at one of the local pubs, <laughs> you know? Yeah. But then when I was, when I was growing up, I dated a, a Wiccan and they'd have their rituals in the woods and they wouldn't want any of their parents to know that they were practicing magic because that stigma was there. And, um, yeah. So yeah, they they used to go off into the woods and do it, and it was quite you know sort of discreet. So, but then you'd imagine so, based on the timeline, that kind of makes sense that they were being discreet back in the eighties when this sort of satanic panic was going yeah. around. But then, as things have progressed and now people are more open about it, you'd assume at some point a group that was based there would go, "Oh yeah, that was us." Yeah, this is true. Unless, of course, a load of people say, do you know anything about those missing dogs? And even if it weren't them, you might not want to draw that. There is the missing there. dogs, I guess. You wouldn't want to take ownership for... But yeah. it's, it's, it's interesting because we watched a video, actually, uh, about Charles Walker and his sort of experiences there before we did this show. And um, the place where he met the chap, um, there sounded like there was quite a busy road nearby. Do you reckon the dogs might have just... You know, do you reckon they might have just been uh, some of them, maybe, but all of them? 
This is true. This what is about true. The horse? Again, we've only got we've only got um, verbal accounts of this, haven't we? A lot of these, so yeah, you know. But then, why would you lie about your dog going missing? It seems like you know, if you're going to make up a lie about supernatural activities, oh yeah, I saw those cultists. They, you know, you, you'd make up something a bit grander than a missing dog, I guess, wouldn't you? Yeah, yeah. I mean, if we want to go into more grand stuff, I think we could move on to a little bit more ghosts and UFOs. I think so. Yeah. So I've got a couple of, we'll segue into UFOs because obviously the last episode we did was UFOs. So I'm sure. Yeah. If you're not into UFOs, sorry, but we have got a few more coming up. (laughs) (laughs) These are, I've just got a couple of little kind of notes because as we said, there's not necessarily a lot of information about these things. Uh, But in 1974 at 11 p.m., I like that it's specific about the time, doesn't mention the date. (laughs) Just 11 p.m. in 1974. (laughs) Some friends were walking through the woods when one of them was suddenly suspended in the air and then dropped to the ground. Um, And then a year later, this one I find slightly interesting because this goes back to the big cats almost, is uh, in 1975, a strange mist was seen that took shapes, including that of a grizzly bear. Interesting. Um, But subsequent to that, they find an 8.5 inch paw print and hair at the location that the misty bear was seen. And a Geiger meter finds high levels of radiation. So that kind of feeds into it. So from what I was going to say, you've actually covered two of the things that are on my notes as well. But um, there were strange lights in the sky sighted in the early 60s. Again, it's very vague. I've seen one that said it was 64. Another one said it was 62. So I'm not quite sure. Possibly both of them. Um, This was around the time people were going into these woods and feeling unwell. And apparently people going with Geiger counters were going along and finding, as Craig mentioned, higher levels of radiation. I don't know whether they were high enough to make you feel sick that quickly anyway. But Mm. um, upon looking at the geographical data on the area, it's on a big chalk bed. You know, it's it's a big, uh, it's one big chalk deposit underneath. Now, chalk isn't one of those sort of things that kind of has its own sort of low level of radiation. It's pretty clean for that. Um, So they're not quite sure why it was that radioactive. but yeah, that was put down to a lot. Um, you know, a lot of people put those two things together: the UFO sightings and the radiation. Of course, 60s, 70s, people start talking about military testing as well. But interestingly enough, the UFO sightings start to peter out once the idea of the cult of uh, Hecate comes in. Um, so people just like shift the blame. But there were reports <clears> of <throat> dogs happening around in the 60s and 70s what people were then blaming on the ufos and abductions rather than rather than being sacrificed by a cult i mean sussex in general still has hundreds of sightings of ufos every year it's still oh it's a very very heavy yeah just tied to clapham woods though i didn't see that many sort of from later on yeah yeah. Um, it's funny actually because i thought we're going to be traipsing around woods doing this and you know possibly evading ghosts and spectral sort of grizzly bears interestingly there's no actual i don't think we ever had grizzly bears here cave bears yes brown bears yes but not it specifically said a grizzly bear which yeah <clears throat> maybe it's like i i think i mentioned on the last one about um the pets the alien pets like uh, yes Bigfoot. Bigfoot, yes 
Um, and the fact that the radiation could have been the UFO collecting their bareback. I like that. I like that. Yeah, let them out for a wee. They picked it up in America and then thought, oh, we didn't let it go for a poo before. Um, yeah. But um, although I think a lot of people, they see a big, massive bear and they instantly go, grizzly bear, you know? Yeah. Um, but I did, um, as I said, I thought we were going to be traipsing around the woods. So my notes are like scattered in various places through my phone and notepads. So um, don't pretend did... like that's not what you normally do. <laughs> yeah that's it it's like oh where's my note on it um oh yeah right so. <laughs> so on ufos we do have a few accounts though so the first one going back to um the 1700s uh not quite sure when in the 1700s but there was an old woman uh that apparently saw a bright round shape uh like the full moon she described was it was it the moon but- it may have been the moon. It floated down <laughs> the woods and disappeared in the bushes, like probably over the course of an evening. Um, then the woods were filled with the fumes that, uh, and I quote, stinketh of burning matter. Um, could have been a meteorite, you know, could have been a could have been a meteorite. There is actually a crater in those woods uh, that people attribute to a uh, World War II bomb. Maybe that was hey. it. No? Um, yeah. But the old one was... The old woman was then struck down, smitten with palsy, and was given a wide berth by the locals, who were quite superstitious about that sort of thing. Hmm. You got any accounts? Uh, yes, quite a bit more recent than that. Um, 1967? Okay, okay. So in the village of Rushington, which is actually is technically a few miles away, but you know, if you're a spacecraft, it's within reach, right? Um, two schoolboys, Toy Newton and John Arnold, had a strange story spelt out to them on a Ouija board. Toy Newton. <laughs> we know yes. that name. Co-author of the book that we spoke about with the cult. Although I think he's listed as the actual author, if I'm not mistaken. Um, anyway, yeah, so Toy Newton and John Arnold had a strange story spelt out to them on a Ouija board. The message claimed that the wood was used as a base for spacecraft and that one had landed to fetch supplies of sulphur and other chemicals. Unknown to them, a few months earlier, Paul Glover witnessed multiple UFO sightings that seemed to show exactly what the message had said. Interesting. Interesting. Is this something Toy Newton got a bit creative with, or is it something that sparks off a lifelong interest? Toy Newton is a very um, academic and legitimate researcher into the occult practices. So, um, with, so I gather. With, with, with such book titles as The Occult Origins of the European Union. Was that co-ordered with David Icke by any chance? <laughs> so make of that what you will, people. <laughs> okay. Well, so I've got one, just a... Just quickly, um, actually. So on that on. note, they seem concerned about occult practices in the woods, both him and Walker. We know that Toyn, as I've just said, did a Ouija board as a kid. Yeah. In the video we watched earlier, Walker is doing a Ouija board. This is true. So the only occult practices that are happening are with the people that are concerned that there's occult <laughs> practices happening. <laughs> that uh, might might go uh, might go towards the villagers' feeling of feeling towards them. <laughs> um. So there is an account from '68. So just a year later. Okay. Um, a saucer-shaped object was witnessed by an insomniac. Um, very 
clearly point that out. An insomniac doesn't name the insomniac uh, while glancing out his kitchen window. Uh, apparently, this is about 2 a.m. or so, and he saw the object hovering directly over Clapham Woods. He immediately called the police when they arrived. The UFO had disappeared. Interesting. So I've only got one other one that hasn't been mentioned yet, which is interesting in itself, because as I say, the site is rumoured to have hundreds of sightings, but I can't find many actual details, which is a bit of a red flag, I think. Um, but in uh, October 72, a telephone engineer driving home along Finden Road saw a large saucer-shaped object in the sky before making a circle of the area and zooming off. There was also another report that came from a couple walking near Furlong in West Sussex who thought they saw Venus low in the western sky until it started moving north very quickly. When the object was over Clapham Woods, a beam of light descended vertically from it and then rapidly withdrew before shooting away to the northeast. Picking up that grizzly bear. Yeah. <laughs> um, interesting. Actually, Sorry, that what? was actually three years prior to the grizzly bear, might I add. Ah, fair enough. Well, maybe they're dropping <laughs> off. Um, interestingly, some of those accounts with the sort of hovering, moving, and then zipping off, it's it's kind of similar to that uh, UFO sighting from last episode from uh, Hartford that uh, Andy bloke saw. Oh, that yeah, you can't trust him though. That miscreant. <laughs> but yeah, no, that that was it, it. Kind of almost rings true to what I saw. You know, that sort of zipping off. But yeah. Um, it's but, kind of classic UFO, isn't it? it Beams is. of lights and zipping off, and yeah. Mine, That's... mine did not look like a craft though. It was just sort of a glowing ball. But uh, anyway, that checked out. <laughs> We're not here to talk about me or my glowing ball. Um, <laughs> um, incidentally, the the dog disappearances, like while they had been reported before, then they tend to kick in in a sort of mid seventies. It seems when you actually start getting decent accounts of them. Um, so yeah, you know, I said some of those were blamed on uh, UFOs, but I think people, you know, they they continued after those sightings had sort of had their heyday. So I guess that's why yeah. they were blamed more on the cult of uh, Hecate, or at least by certain individuals. Have you got any more UFOs, or because that was the only ones I could find? No, those were the only one, the actual accounts I could find. Yeah, yeah. I just find that suspicious. I mean, there's supposedly hundreds of sightings, but there's not even a Dave Smith saw a UFO over the woods on this day. There's there's just nothing. Interestingly, in the in the short documentary about uh, Walker, there's no none of the villagers interviewed. And I realize you can get selective with these things, but none of the villagers interviewed mentioned UFOs or cults or anything, really. But none of them mention ufos and you think if you'd lived there for that long, <clears throat> would have maybe seen yeah. something but uh i don't know there's lots of ufos seen around bournemouth and i've not seen one here so you know it's um but in the same same vein then so i've seen clapham woods being mentioned as one of the most haunted woods in england yeah did you find any ghost stories not really no i didn't find any i mean you've got that boy that was hovering maybe I think I wonder if they've just used haunted as a catch-all for for like weird shit, essentially. That that was the impression I got because yeah. I'm not seeing any evidence of ghosts there. I think we need to teach people of Sussex. I mean, they're talking about satanic cult when they mean Hecate. They're talking about 
haunted woods when they mean alien spaceships. <laughs> grizzly, grizzly bears when it's clearly Bigfoot being dropped off for a wee, you know? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So you said you did find a couple of bits, though. Have you got anything? Um, on ghosts, let me look. Ah, yes. Yeah. So there is one that stood out for me, actually, uh, which, funny enough, is tied to a chap you've probably not heard of before called Charles Walker. Um oh. Yes, here we go. <laughs> so, um, he uh, it was a a a friend of his, Ian, uh, who I mentioned before from Mysterious Britain. Um, he went to check out Clapham Woods by himself. Um, yeah. he knows Charles, a sort of associate. Charles wasn't there. There was a reporter with him from a local independent newspaper. It doesn't mention the newspaper, who contacted Ian, knew that he was looking into the woods, and said, "Can I come with you?" And so on Charles's recommendation, they, they went into these woods. Now, uh, Jean, who was uh, Ian's wife, who is Ian's wife, um, went along as well to these woods to have a look around. This is a bit more recently. Um, and they went to the back of the church. Apparently the church there has had no paranormal activity there, no um, attacks by cultists. Although, you know, that might be because you probably don't want to attract attention i guess if you're a cultist i don't know you know attacking the church is a bit sus um so gene um ian and this reporter they leave the back of the church and there's a turnstile sort of a gate sorry you sort of hop over to get into the woods so the reporter goes over first ian helps um gene his wife over um the turnstile apparently as soon as she climbed up onto it she felt herself grabbed from behind ripped away from it and thrown sort of back and sideways into a um into a barbed wire fence um apparently she just jerked backwards and flew into this barbed wire fence um ian did point out that he had to talk her into coming not that she was scared necessarily but it's just it was kind of a him hobby this whole supernatural thing it wasn't... how many gins did he give her before she <laughs> i wouldn't want to accuse you know <laughs> But uh, yeah, was it a, was it a dramatic slip or was it being pulled by a ghost? But uh, this force apparently grabbed her, threw her sideways into this uh, barbed wire fence. She got yeah. a nasty gash on her arm. They bandaged it up, but it kept bleeding. And they thought, okay, we actually rather than bandage, we probably should go to the hospital. She might have tetanus, you know. So uh, yeah, apparently they didn't continue that investigation. Uh, but it apparently quite it shook them all up quite a bit. So that is the that is the only firm ghost sighting or story or something that could be linked to a ghost that I found in those woods, apart from the uneasy feelings that people get and the sort of you know the feeling of doom or unease that people get when they go into those woods, which have been attributed to UFOs, the cult, ley lines, um, you know those could be a lot of things. But mm. um, so you didn't find anything else? No, other than feelings of being queasy. And those kind of descriptions, but other than Mark that, Jin will do that. Yeah, yeah, or, or radiation from a UFO. This is true. Um, going back to UFOs, actually, um, Hatching, which is a village just down the road from there, there are um, there are uh, reports of crop circles there, and I think that's actually potentially why the reporter, one of the reasons the reporter got hold of Ian is because of these um, these crop circles. Like I'm doing an investigation into these. Can I come with you into Clapham Woods? So there have been reported crop circles around the area as well. And again, that is more recently than the 60s and 70s. So there was another ghost story that I think 
um, we were looking into as well uh, from there, thinking about it, because Charles Walker on this documentary, they use a Ouija board and they contact. Oh, of course, them. yeah. Yeah. So I don't know. I mean, that's, that's quite an extensive story, that one. It was a highwayman by the name of Jack Upperton. Yeah, so I think maybe we should save that for another day, but I've had a brief look and I think there's quite a bit to go into with his story, so... Yeah, so according to Charles and his Ouija board, anyway, this this ghost of this highwayman who was he did pass through the area apparently, um, and died not too far, sort of on the way to Arundel, um, died not too far away. Um, I think he was hanged close by. Um, eventually, um, his ghost they supposedly contacted, but didn't have any trouble from him. So yeah, that might, I think I think Jack probably deserves his own story at a later date. I guess really. Yeah, or it might even just make us a little short on nice. social media. I expect like you that. to go there to report on it, make up for what we did today. <laughs> <laughs> um, so we've covered cults, we've covered disappearing dogs, we've covered ghosts or lack thereof, yeah. we've covered UFOs, we've covered curses. What's left? So not specifically to the woods itself, but there's a nearby site called Shanktonbury Ring. And it's often yes. connected with it. And uh, certain certain individual as well. Yes, who we did tease at the beginning. Um, Alistair Crowley. Now, you say Crowley, I say Crowley. But the interesting thing is, we, this is our second go at recording this bit. As soon as we mentioned his name, um, the, the the call froze. And we had to start this again. <laughs> so, I got booted out of Zoom. I mean, that's, that's it. Didn't like you. Down. <laughs> so, sorry, Alistair. But... Um, we're talking yeah. about if Ozzy Osbourne, we are, so can we. I mean, I wasn't going to go into him too much because I'd like to cover him at some point, but as there's you, a lot to cover. We we were chatting just before recording, and uh, as Craig mentioned, then um, we could probably you know do a week's worth of episodes on on Alistair Crowley. You know, there's a I lot. Mean, I believe I said a month. <laughs> all right, all right. Well, I'm I'm being really. We don't want to do a month on Alistair Crowley. <laughs> it's um. Alistair Crowley month for Weird Wessex. <laughs> um, the guy was a bit too weird. <laughs> In case anybody hasn't come across him before, he was into a lot of occult practices, um, lots of sex magic, Funny and he shit. possibly summoned the Loch Ness Monster, I think we mentioned on a previous episode. Yeah, uh, an open uh, a ritual that was open and never closed, right? Yeah, that may have opened a portal at Loch Ness that brought upon... The Loch Ness Monster. I think that's all we need to really cover for him at the minute. I mean, he was, he did live nearby. Yeah. Um, and at the time he was living with Victor Newberg, the poet. Um, and they were both convinced that the site was a place of power. Yeah, this is Chanterbury Ring, isn't it? Yes, yes. Sorry. So not the woods itself, but they, they thought it had power. Um, and Newberg did published poems about the power of the site and he did like in the poems he'd imagine druidic rituals and sacrifices um so yeah there was also a travelogue done by um a chap called robert mcfarlane who um slept there over a summer's night and apparently was woken up by this unearthly sound of screaming um which uh, is, is pretty unsettling, but if, if for anyone who's slept out at night in a wild place, quite often that's just a hare or a rabbit being killed by a fox or something, you know? But it, it can be pretty unsettling, especially in a place like that. 
Um, Fox screaming is pretty unsettling. It is, it is, especially when they're like, you know, sort of mating season and everything, you know, it's really, yeah. uh, I, I used to have a load live beyond my house and yeah, really keep you up. Um, but uh, I mentioned earlier Roman temples. I believe there were actually um, some Roman temples found there. Um, got some notes here. Um, yeah, at least two Romano-Celtic temples were built, um, I think, inside the site. Um, so, again, Romans quite <laughs> often did this. They'd take an earlier site and sort of use it for themselves. We've seen it up in Maiden Castle, for example. There's an old Roman, Roman temple there. I'm not sure if there's any information as to what who the temples were to. Probably not uh, Hecate, but um, Hecate. No, I mean, so so the original site is 4th century before the Romans <laughs> used it. The, the reason they know about the Romans, I find interesting as well, is that the, the Great Storm of 87 that swept the south coast of England. Yes. It pulled up a lot of trees. Um, and that was when they were able to actually investigate what was underneath and found out about the Roman temple. I think the actual um, the actual um, precinct there, though, dates back to sort of um, two three hundred BC. I think they were even talking about possible. They found remains of pottery dating back to the Bronze Age there, so it was occupied before then. But um, yeah. it was reference to um, a Roman copper uh, sort of plaque found with a boar on it. So um, yeah, there might have been a cult around that. Um, and they found like jawbones of pigs around there and stuff like that. So it definitely was an important site. And Alistair Crowley sort of really attached to this, didn't he? Yeah. Um, but I do have one more story about the uh, Sanctuary Ring. Go on. That ties perfectly into, into the folklore nature of the podcast. So it's rumoured that it was created by the devil himself. Oh, Yes. And he can be summoned by running around the clump of trees seven times anti-clockwise. And when he appears, he'll offer the summoner a bowl of soup in exchange for their soul. Some some versions of the legends are a, uh, a bowl of milk as well, I believe. Um, I've heard it with a bowl of milk. But uh, annoyingly, uh, when I thought we were going there, I've got a wooden bowl. I was going to just sort of whip out on the video and stuff. Yeah, but the gag's ruined now. <laughs> Um, yeah, so we, we could have, we could have got some free soup if we'd have gone today. <laughs> I mean, it depends what kind of soup he's offering. I mean, if you, can you imagine he offers you his, his soup in exchange for your soul and like, I do like a good soup. And then it's just like a bowl of Heinz tomato or something. Or... Yeah, that's it. Or I don't know, liver. <laughs> oh, liver soup. Mm. No, no. <laughs> <laughs> oh no. Bit of tripe soup. Off, oh, oh. <laughs> jelly deals in there. Ah, <laughs> oh, fuck! I gave him my soul for this tripe soup. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, it's funny. So many of those places they have these. It always involves running around something anti-clockwise, doesn't it? Um, yeah. There was a church where I grew up. This old Norman church, St Leonard's in Benjo in Hartford, and uh, the route. I remember someone telling me if you run around that church around midnight a hundred times and knock on the door, the devil comes out. It's like a hundred times. <laughs> you know, it's like wow. I think if I run around that thing a hundred times, I'd be ready to meet the devil, you know, I'll just collapse. <laughs> you wonder where those 
things come from as well. Like, yeah, they're easy to disprove, aren't they? Well, there was that whole thing. And again, I don't know how much of it is modern takes on it and how much is sourced. I'd have to look into it. But, you know, walking, you walk sunwise, you know, you walk sunwise, apart from certain times in the year when you can walk anti-sunwise or anti-clockwise, you know. Um, so I guess it stems from that. You know, running, it's always running anti-clockwise, like against yeah. the green, like against the natural order of things. Um, so I guess it comes from that. Um, but I think I, I remember seeing like at least like 19th and 18th century sources on like stuff that involves walking anti-clockwise or against the sun. Um, so it's quite an old, old belief. Um, and I guess that's just one of the ones that's endured, you know? Yeah. There was, um, there was one mention actually of, um, going back to ghosts again of a Saxon soldier I think probably died at Hastings ah. why why he goes to Chanterbury ring afterwards don't know I think a lot of the time it's these landmarks and people just want to tie important things there you know but it's a lovely yeah. story you know maybe he lived there maybe he lived close by you know and uh came home um but yeah that's interesting yeah. And then, yeah, there's, I mean, again, it's one of those sites. They say there's a lot of UFO sightings. You're 15 minutes away from Clapham Woods. So I think if you see a UFO, it's in the vicinity. Yeah. A lot again, of no, no details, though. A lot of hill forts. And I mean, we discussed this briefly in the UFO episode about, you know, sort of how they kind of came in to replace fairy, um, yeah. you know, fairy folklore. And a lot of hill forts, you find UFO sightings. And it has that replaced the fairy folklore that used to exist at those places. Um, or is it the same phenomena and always has it, been? Exactly. We just exactly. give a different name to it. Um, so I think that draws us to a close on uh, Clapham Woods and the Surrounds, doesn't it? That was a very full episode, I think. that's um, There was a lot to cover in a short space. Yes, Um do we do the reveal on what we know about it or do we, or is that is our scorn sort of, you know, show through on the episode? I think it will be pretty obvious by now. So most of the information does seem to come from Walker's book, doesn't it? Yes. And Toyn Newton, is it? Yeah. Uh, so technically I think Toyn Newton is the author. Um, what was the name of the book again? Uh, the Demonic Connection was the book. Yeah. Toyn Newton. Uh, co-authored with Charles Walker and Alan Brown, I believe. Um, and yeah, a lot of it seems to come from that. We've already mentioned that potentially they were being wound up by someone in the woods with that meeting. Yeah. Um, I mean, for me, final verdict, it's really hard to take a lot of it seriously when the sources seem to be verbal accounts that aren't referenced from just those guys, you know? Um, it's a wonderful story. Or wonderful stories, you've got a lot of good building blocks there for things, but it's it's really yeah, it's really hard to find sources that aren't s secondary to that, you know, that aren't initially stemming from that book. Um, and it, I mean, they, they've done a brilliant job, you know, even on its Wikipedia article page, the you know, Clapham Woods is listed as you know, a place with all of these sightings and hauntings and everything, and but it all stems back to that book, it seems. Um, but then Toy, I think you said Toy Newton has 
sort of disassociated with yes he's refusing to have anything to do with any publications about that stuff i think he doesn't want to know any more people you know people who come to him saying oh you wrote this book can we talk to you about clapham he's not interested anymore whether that's because he doesn't believe it or he's just sick of it or he's moving on to accusing he's still writing similar books yeah yeah, just he's decided his you know next targets the satanic origins of the European Union or whatever the yeah. cult supernatural origins was it, but uh, yeah, as I say, for me it just there's not enough there to really cement yeah. it as thinking okay that place is definitely weird. Um, it sounds good, you know. We plugged it in the intro. All this stuff's happening there, and then you go actually when you dig into it. We can't find any real ghost stories. There's only a couple of UFO stories, and yet it's meant to be the most haunted and the most visited UFO site. And like, is it though? If, Where's the stories? If we decide to go there at some point and then end up going missing, we will eat, eat our words, I guess. But you know. <laughs> so yeah, decide for yourselves. We either didn't go because of the weather, because the story is a bit naff. <laughs> yeah, we 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 saw more because yeah. we were pussies and we were scared. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, I mean, yeah, we 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 sort of, yeah, we had a chat about it, and uh, you know, the 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 weather was what stopped us, but uh, really, we were just scared, or we potentially scared. didn't think that there was enough. Yeah. Um, well, it was. It's enough to cover. It's an as we said, it's an interesting oh, yeah. story, um, but, but not enough to cement our view as like, okay, there is definitely something weird going on here. But yeah, it's. Yeah, as you say, it's definitely just the story in itself. And that, after all, that is how folklore gets made. You know, uh, so much of this folklore, it's a story being adopted by another area or another group, and then it grows. And so, you know, potentially the, these guys, they they are instrumental in starting this, like, folklore, this very colourful folklore around Clapham Woods. <clears throat> so the question really is, with all this change of plans today, did you remember to find some weird news? Just just it was more like uh i i very much um i was like I don't, it crossed my mind when i was getting ready to go i was like are we gonna do weird news today are we gonna like report it from where we are are we just gonna add it and record it later and add it at the end yeah. um will we survive long enough to find some weird news will we be the weird news when we disappear but um but yes i do have some weird news so this is from a source that i draw from quite a bit um metro um our sponsors <laughs> pretty much at this point <laughs> um asparagus fortune teller predicts the future and it's bad news for team gb <gasps> and this was published at the end of last month the end of december um okay. so a fortune teller who pre correctly predicted brexit and andy murray's wimbledon win has revealed her forecast for 2024 I just want to put in, I love how the fact they don't explain straight away what an asparagus fortune teller is. Um, no, I'm down. I mean, I, I watch Bluey and they have magic asparagus, so I'm in. Yeah, you went quite recently to see Bluey live, didn't you? Oh, yeah, just a couple of days ago. Nice. Big Bluey fan. Yeah. If you don't know magic asparagus, it's a Bluey thing. So I didn't even consider that that was weird. I was just like, yeah, okay, magic asparagus. <laughs> <laughs> As the new year rapidly approaches, oh, this is wonderful. Uh, a sparamancer. <laughs> That's my new D&D class or band name. Um, <laughs> I want to be a sparamancer. A sparamancer. Jemima uh, Packington. Great name. 
has used her decades-old technique of throwing asparagus spears into the air and interpreting how they land. That's like rune casting <laughs> bones and stuff. That's wonderful. <laughs> Jemima from Bath, of course, uh, began making predictions aged eight and said she inherited the gift from her elderly aunt who used to read tea leaves. I was really worried it was going to be on the smell, like if your pee smelled or not, you know? Um <laughs> Her technique hasn't changed in all those years, although not all of her predictions for 2023 uh, came true. Metro asked to predict what we'll see in 2024. <clears throat> this year, Jemima thinks there will be a worldwide regime changes as people become increasingly fed up of how they're treated by the governments. Um, we've got an election coming up. <laughs> Fingers crossed. Okay, hey, that's that's a bit of an easy one. You know what I mean? Uh, yeah, and so of America. Um, yeah. She reckons there'll be separations and divorces amongst the royal family and events in the Middle East will reach a breaking point. So the predictions, I might do a best of because um, there's yeah. like 15 of them. Um, regime change uh, take place through the world and at an unprecedented scale, often where least expected. Is that Trump getting back in? Who knows? People are increasingly tired of the way their leaders are treating them. Um, mention the royal family divorces. Um do not be do not be surprised to hear news from Montecito. Um, the culture of celebrity will be on the wane. Ordinary people will want to concentrate on their day-to-day -day battles with rising costs of living and will lose interest in the antics of so-called privileged few. The 24 games will Olympic Games will not be a resounding success for Team GB. The events in the Middle East will reach a breaking point. World opinion will change yet again. Extremist group within the UK will lose support. No more holding up traffic or supergluing infrastructure. England FA will appoint more female referees to officiate the all-male team matches. So far, I'm getting very obvious things from here, you know? I can say they're either obvious or a lot of them are 50-50. Like winning yeah. a tennis match was 50-50. The Brexit vote was 50-50. Do you see what I mean? Like... Mm. There will be a shake-up within the UK education system. The onus of many responsibilities will be forced back onto parents and not teachers. Deaths amongst world leaders will occur and the US will see their first female president. Okay, that's an interesting one because I don't think... Uh, there's a few. I think they've got... The Republicans have got a couple of women running in the, um, you know, sort mm. of running for that. Um, I forget their names. Um, I, I'm just I, the only ones are, the only one I remember really is Donald Trump, you know. <laughs> um, but yeah, there are some women running, I think. And if Trump does end up getting locked up, maybe. Um, mental health and well-being continue to be an important factor worldwide. This will no longer carry the stigma of old. Again, that's already changing. Uh, yeah. People recognise that our next generation need our help and support. More public figures will be outed as having abused the system, profiting. Uh, from illegal actions again uk will see a return to active politics from a previous leader i mean that kind of happened with david cameron i was gonna say that's already happened. that's already done so maybe oh, i reckon we're getting blair back um what's the date on the... the this is this is literally uh i think they asked her this mid-december so cameron was already back at that point i think okay yeah so it could be someone else I'm just doing all 15, it turns out. Um, climate change will become a victim of compassion overload. Um, a raft of very well-paid TV personalities will lose their jobs. So-called influencers will lose their sway as people realise the real world they live in that matters. That's when they start listening to Weird Wessex, man. 
That's it. That's it. Yeah. Come away <laughs> that's from real it. people. We're, we're the ones you want to listen to. The experiments also predict the US will see a first year. Yeah, it goes on to just break down some of these. Um, in 2021, Jemima predicted Christmas celebrations would be a modest affair, which was the case of many households as Omicron took hold. Um, in 2019, so she was doing this a while, like, you know, sort of publicly. Correctly yeah. predicted critic success, cricket success for England, Big Brother returning to our screens, and US romantic musical A Star is Born winning an Oscar. Before that, she correctly saw Andy Murray winning Wimbledon, a Euro crisis, and the credit crunch. Explaining her fortune-telling techniques, Jemima said, my technique has not changed, and I still cast the asparagus spears to interpret the patterns in them. Seeing the patterns for me is instantaneous, possibly because I've had years of practice. I'm usually about 75 to 90% accurate in my predictions. I go through my predictions each year and think, yep, that's happened, yep, that's happened. Occasionally I get one slightly off, where I haven't quite read it correctly, but I'm never far off. I predicted Boris Johnson would become Prime Minister about four years before he did, and everyone laughed their socks off. So there you go. That is um, that is my weird news. Uh, some of it not so weird, but just the very the, just the notion of an asparamancer I find wonderful, <clears throat> wonderfully weird. Yeah, yeah. The, the, I think the headline was the leader for that one. Hundred percent, hundred percent. A lot of these weird news ones, I'll read the first bit and think that's weird or that's not weird enough, and purposefully I don't read the entire article because I I want to be surprised by it as well, you know. Excuse for sloppy journalism. <laughs> <laughs> Go on then, show me how it's done. All right. Well, I found this about five minutes ago. <laughs> Excellent. Leading the way. Because I forgot that we needed weird news. <laughs> Frantically looking for something. You were so counting on to... us and our bowls of soup being the weird news. Yeah. I was hoping we were going to disappear. Uh... <laughs> I imagine most so... of our listeners do at this point, you know. It's... <laughs> All five of them. <laughs> uh, I, for peek behind the curtain, guys, we started this at 10 a.m. It's now half past one. <laughs> There's been multiple cups of tea, wee breaks, and video viewing since then. So we watch YouTube videos together. <laughs> yeah, this one comes courtesy of the Daily Star, and the headline is Cannibal Carried Bag into Police Station and Horrified Cops When He Asked for Help help to eat it cook it so a witch doctor horrified police when he started pulling out human body parts from his bag at the station um nino mabatha was a pr practitioner of local traditional medicine and claimed he'd been forced to eat human flesh by three other men he arrived at escott police station for help but cops only believed him when he showed him his bag constable ryan nitsilitschi i think apologies to constable ryan yeah Right. N T S H A L I N T S H A L I. Yes. Watched in horror as a hand was pulled out, followed by a foul smell of decomposition. Uh, and then it's quoted It was at this point that I told him I was placing him under arrest under suspicion of murder, he said, adding he was shouting, I need the police's help because I'm tired of being forced to eat human flesh. Yeah, so it says the case of Mabatha, a practitioner of local traditional medicine, or Muti, was selected as one of the most shocking examples of cannibalism in recent years. Uh, right. After being cautioned by police, Mabatha led officers to his home. When they got there, the smell of rotting bodies removed any doubt that the suspect was telling the truth. One officer later testified, 
I followed the accused into the room where he re retrieved a small dish. Inside, I saw something shaped like an ear and what appeared to be jaws. He then picked up another bucket that appeared to have intestines in it. Mabatha, 33 at the time, told the horrified officers that he hadn't been alone in his cannibalism and he'd been forced into it by two other men. One of them was a local butcher, which raised concerns that some of the body parts may have found their way into people's shopping baskets. People asked locals who made missing persons reports to try and identify the bodies, but since most of the bodies had been dismembered and mostly decomposed, no one could, except for one. So they did find one of the victims' families then? A 24-year-old mum who had recently gone missing was identified as one of the victims. It emerged in court that another man, Lungasani Magobaini, had approached Mabatha to perform a multi-ritual to help him have good luck. Mabatha suggested they kidnap a woman or child and kill them as the ancestors insist that blood needed to be spilled. Magibani and Mabatha were later convicted of kidnapping, raping and killing Zanali before dismembering her and eating parts of her body. Uh, Zanali's grandmother identified the clothes she was wearing at the time of her disappearance and much of the victim's body was later recovered from an impoverished grave there were two other defendants in the horrific cannibal trial one of them sifan biso sitol 31 apparently killed himself in his cell while on remand and um khalil lamula 32 was acquitted due to lack of evidence there you go that is my happy story to end the podcast that is a happy story i kind of wish we'd have done it the other way around in a way I, I don't right. know I just... much about Mooty. I know that it's, I know that some of the practices involve cutting bits off while people are still alive. It's it's pretty pretty horrific, you know. Um, but uh, yeah, that that was a quite a shocking one to end on. <laughs> so, so that is weird Wessex for another. I'm going to say month, but I think are we we're going fortnightly. We're going to try to. Yeah, we might not always stick to it, but uh, mostly if we haven't disappeared or something. And uh, I think while the weather stopped us, I think we're all the curse, maybe. Um, I, I think we do need to get out there and do something in person soon. We've got, we got a few ideas, haven't we? I'll lift the restraining order for a day and let you come out with me. How's all right. That? Fair enough. Fair enough. All right. So thank you for listening to Weird Wessex. I've been Craig. And I've been Andy. Until next time. Stay weird.